Hello and welcome to episode 60. Yes, somehow we've made it to 60 episodes of the Perth to Paisley podcast. Podcast etiquette. Still, somehow still, the only unbeaten team in the Cinch Premiership this season, Heart of Midlothian. I, as ever, am your host, Daniel McIver, joined by a man who you will have definitely seen this week if you follow Hearts on Twitter, as he was at the game we're going to be speaking about today. Adam Kennedy. Adam, how you doing? I'm I'm excellent, mate. I'm not gonna lie. Even just with all the coverage and whatnot, the socials, um, and I was doing some mental maths with regards to to the weekend. You know, my match ticket cost me thirty two pounds. My train ticket cost me eight pounds. Um, subway tickets another fiver or so. You know, far too much money on vodka Red Bulls. But you know, a last gasp equaliser at the home of the reigning champions to keep the unbeaten league season alive. Absolutely priceless. Fantastic. What a Saturday afternoon. Um, And I'm assuming it was the same for you. Yeah, it was very surprising, unexpected, and also annoying knowing you were there and I wasn't. (laughs) I was sat in my house, hating life, but then loving life for the last 35 seconds. But... Before we get to that, we do have the Around the Grounds feature where we're going to speak about all the other results because there were some pretty surprising and unexpected results in the rest of the league. So we will start, as BBC have listed it, on the first day this season, we were speaking about this just before we came on air, that all games were on the Saturday. There was no Sunday or Friday night games, which was Weird that it's taken this long, to be honest. But BBC have the first game, and it's the game I'm very excited to speak about, (laughs) is uh, Hibernian Football Club Club lost 3-0 at home to Dundee United, followed up by Motherwell kind of also joining Hibs on a slightly downward trajectory as Celtic got back-to-back away wins for the first time this season as they won 2-0. Obviously, our game, we will come to that. A very exciting five-goal thriller in the Highlands as St Mirren beat Ross County 3-2. St Johnston also in a kind of shock battering by Livingston 3-0. And then bringing up the rear, the only home side to win at the weekend was Dundee getting their first win ahead of playing us. Of course they did, because that's what happens when you're us against a just... I don't even know how to describe it, Aberdeen. We'll speak about Aberdeen in a wee bit because there's something big that we need to touch on with them. But generally about the fixtures, what did you take from them? Um, Obviously getting the updates for the Hibs game, that was hilarious and added to the, the Saturday excitement. Um, That being said, I've obviously watched the highlights. United scored some great goals. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any real shame... It, and looking at the opposition when they are such great strikes. Um, Celtic, I, I expected to get the better of Motherwell, to be honest. I, I don't want to say that Motherwell will fall away, because I still think they'll have enough to challenge for top six and whatnot. But that'll be tricky. Just annoyed, because Celtic seem to be the big winners kind of the weekend. That was my only thought with regards to our result, is that, you know, with Hibs getting beat... Um, and obviously Aberdeen's still in their slump as well. Just Of all the supposed bigger clubs, Celtic are the real winners. Um, St Mirren are absolutely flying now, which is very disappointing. However, Ross County, obviously, 
if that consigns them to relegation, then I'm all for it, to be quite honest. Um, another side that I had for relegation was Livingston and the state of their goals at McDermott Park. My it has to be investigated goodness. for match fixing. It's Jesus. ridiculous. Who had Livy on their coupon? Did Talon Davidson have Livy or something? What is going on there? Um, and like you said, we really could have done without Dundee. As much as it is hilarious to see Aberdeen in their demise, we really could have done without Dundee winning um, before coming to Tiny. And particularly Lee Griffiths getting amongst the goals. Um, obviously now bagging his first in this is second spell. So an absolutely mental weekend again like you mentioned it there Dundee the only home team to win like you'd have been barking had you have predicted that come Thursday Friday looking at the, the weekend's fixtures yeah it was it was pretty insane especially when for most of the game during our time when we were watching at Ibrox my phone was just getting alerts all the time and there was as you said there's no shame at all in losing to that Dundee United side in the fashion that Hibs did in terms of their goals but it was very calming to be like alright okay we're getting beat here at least Hibs aren't going to close the gap to what would have been equal points again that was the biggest thing for me but then of course we'll get to our game and it didn't really matter in the end yeah Motherwell I think the biggest problem is they seem to have been found out almost like they seem to be playing very similarly that 4-3-3 I don't think Graham Alexander's changed from it once this season and no it was just personnel wasn't it because Jordan Roberts came in unnoticed um, I think he started yeah. the weekend and they, they made another change or something like that but yeah you're that's, you're right that's you the say. big thing it's the system seems to be that it, like kind of it reminds me of Robin Nielsen Championship last season where I'm playing this formation it doesn't matter if my best players are available I'm still playing the formation and as a result it's men Yeah, like clubs have started to work it out. We made them look very, very average when they came to Tynecastle. Celtic, judging by the highlights, obviously they don't tell the story of the full game. But Motherwell should have had a penalty. That's another big, big talking point. That could totally have changed the game. Yet again, we're talking about kind of the wackiness of the, the weekend. You could probably find at least two or three from every match refereeing decisions that don't go the correct way that they should and yet here we were last week or a week or two ago talking about VAR no thanks not for me well this is the thing well all that game especially was weird because they had to change refs half like <laughs> not even halfway through half an hour in Willie Collum knackered his foot or something so they had to get the fourth official whose previous game was like Queen of the South someday so it was quite a jump for them and they got that decision Oh, very, very SPFL. wrong. That is that is total sin, it? Exactly. I agree with everything you've said about the other games. The other thing we need to speak about is to do with Aberdeen, who are in a nightmare situation just now. But, oh my God, the Dave Cormack interview on Sports Sound. My tweet, it was me and Evan McFarlane were kind of live tweeting it as if we were watching a wrestling show. And it felt like a promo was going on because he just came out all guns blazing, wanting to fight Kenny McIntyre, wanting to just be like, suddenly he's the most technologically advanced man in the world, focusing on the data of everything. 
you obviously had to catch up on it. You couldn't listen to it live, oh. but you saw the reaction online prior to it. What were you thinking both ahead of listening to it and then listening to it? You know that it's top entertainment when all of Scottish football seems to just unite and are all just simultaneously pissing their pants when listening to an interview. Um, yeah, it, uh, look, uh, he sort of became a statistician, a, sta- a statistician. statistician's dream, didn't he? <laughs> Jesus, easy yeah. for me to say. Um, chucking out the whole expected goals, possession, shots. I don't care. Like, uh, how many times does everybody talk about football being a results-based business? And Aberdeen seem to be on their worst run. I will say though, in, I will since say twenty ten or whatever it is. Because I'm a big fan of like XG and all that stuff. But Joel Sked did an article on the Scotsman yesterday where he he just kind of also proved the stats wrong. So it's like. If you're wanting to use stats, because as you say, a lot of people are going, that's irrelevant, it doesn't matter, you're not getting the results. But even if you want to use the stats, their XG is ridiculously low because, yes, they're having loads of possession, and it's like, look at all the shots we're having. But it's something like 75% of those shots were from outside the box, so the XG so, was like 0.2. Exactly. So, it's, so it's like, it's stats with a bit of context. It, yeah. seems, it seems to me like if you were to actually break it down, Aberdeen would have the majority of the ball for most of their matches but if they're not doing with it anything with it then what's it matter so yeah. if they don't get into decent areas if they don't carve out you know clear cut goal scoring opportunities then it's irrelevant for the most part um, but uh, I just found some of Dave Cormack's stuff just so funny when he's on about um, Jack Ross Robbie Nielsen like these managers that have supposedly come under fire. Jack Ross, I don't think, ever was. I think there was just frustration with the cup competitions. Mm-hmm. Again, you could apply the same to Robbie, given, you know, Aloha, Brora. We, we've we've danced this dance one too many times. So, But also, if he's using that argument of like, oh, well, look at these managers who clubs wanted them out. You, you, they conveniently Craig didn't Levine. use Levine. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't use like, Levine when we were saying I'm out for ages. It's all right when everything's rosy in the garden, but he seems to acknowledge that it will be rosy in the garden as though he can't hold his hands up for potentially making the wrong appointment. And yes, it's early days. And he was also quick to highlight the fact that within their Europa uh, qualifying, they'd blown away, who was it, Hacken, I think it was. Um, They looked so convincing against Dundee United, first game of the season. We're on a really good run. But Kenny McIntyre thought was brilliant when he talked about... um, Dave Cormack was touching on trophies and Aberdeen getting nowhere near them and Kenny brought up the fact that Wraith Rovers had knocked them out with a rotated team mm-hmm. and I think that caught Dave Cormack a little bit off guard by then I don't want to say he leapt to his defence but he was adamant that Stephen Glass could do no wrong which I just found hilarious so long may that continue I know that we've got Aberdeen toward the end of the month um, so I'm not going to say too much in case it comes back to next weekend. Yeah, there you go. Um, so just long may it continue. Hopefully they keep losing games until we turn up, and then <laughs> hopefully we've not we don't do what we always do and gift that side the chance to get out the rut. Definitely. However, enough of other teams. Let's speak about ourselves as 
Robbie Nielsen's Hearts travel to Ibrox as, as we have mentioned, the only unbeaten side. However, Rangers, who had not really hit the form that they had hit at all last season, were still top of the week, only having one loss, which was to Tam Coates' Dundee United earlier in the season. The teams came out. It was the one discussion point I feel all of Hearts Twitter was making in the week. There's probably only going to be one change. It's going to be whether or not John Sewer is fit and if Taylor Moore will survive. It has shown that Despite not putting a foot wrong, and he'll probably feel a bit aggrieved to be left out, Taylor Moore was dropped to the bench and John Suter returned to the side for the first time in three games. What did you make of that? Obviously, the team was much of a muchness. It is our strongest 11 right now. But what did you make of John Suter coming back in and, more importantly, Taylor Moore dropping out? I think, like you say, it was kind of the change that everybody was anticipating, wasn't it? Um, I'd obviously put that question to you uh, last week and... I, I can't hide the fact that I do think it is harsh on Taylor Moore mm-hmm. having you know been part of a defence that recorded back-to-back clean sheets with the, the two Tynecastle victories um, so harsh on him but again like we were crying out for John Souter for ages when we've got him there he's one of the first names on the team sheet so I don't think we can really have any complaints and to be honest I, I actually thought John Souter came back and performed pretty well considering he hadn't been you know in the uh, in the picture for a good few weeks so it was the change that I think everybody was anticipating I think everybody was pleased to see us stick with the system first and foremost mm-hmm. as well name such attacking players in support of Liam Boyce um, rather than go that little bit more conservative which I know would have been a massive frustration amongst many um, so when those 11 names came out I don't think there was any real criticism or any real kind of rage or disappointment with those selected to be honest I think that's pretty fair I, I agree with you Taylor Moore will feel aggrieved but I think it just shows the position we're currently in with squad depth that we're able to take someone like Taylor Moore out who hasn't put a foot wrong and we don't feel the need to just put him in it's for the first time in what it's felt like probably since the last time Robbie was here is that we have a squad instead of a first 11 like we've, I feel like even under Levine even when we like when we're on that run that is that people are comparing to what we're going through now at the start of that 18-19 season we had a very good 11 but it was shown that as soon as we got injuries that was it the wheels came off completely whereas now I feel like obviously there's some exceptions like if Gordon gets hurt I'd say if Smith misses any long period of time in Boyce, then areas of our game will dry up, it won't be as good. Whereas, with the majority of the side, I feel that if there's any reason that they miss, whether it be through suspension, international duty, injury, or just we need to give them a rest, I feel so much more comfortable in 99% of positions going, ah, okay, the reserves slash bench that we have are more than adequate to come and fill in. Definitely. You know, competition's healthy and how long have we been crying out for Hearts players pushing for their places, going to earn their place? Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that with regards to the squad because I, I had a little flick through Jambo's kickback the other week and I was seeing, there was a great debate actually that arose um, with regards to who our best player was at that present moment and I guess you could mm-hmm. carry it over into now. And somebody made a, a point that I really liked when they were saying how often was it the case that we were so dependent on one player to drag us through times. You know, 
under Levine it was probably Naismith before mm-hmm. that it was Kyle Lafferty before that it was Jamie Walker um, so it, it's not greed but we're just delighted to actually have an array of options rather than solely relying on one player like you say or fretting and worrying about injuries suspensions that you know are just natural or naturally picked up throughout the season um, so there's lots to like with regards to this Hearts team I, I keep making that statement um, and I don't really think that you could criticise anybody if they're selected most weeks to be honest of course you want to see your, your first 11 <laughs> most weeks that goes without saying but like you've you've touched on if Aaron McInef was to play say like with Benny or Cammy Devlin dropping out it's good that he would be given a chance because he's got to earn his place but again it's, it's bizarre I want to see players earn their place but I can't criticise the first 11 at this current minute in time it's bizarre that I'm so positive about a heart squad given that's not been the case for ages so yeah I don't know. I, when we talk about the Rangers game, I do want a few changes to be made, given the performance on Saturday and whatever. But we'll we'll come to that, I'm sure. And that's I, I said this to my mate actually. This is the most I've been confident in a squad since we came up last time. It's weird that it's coincided with two promotions back to the Premiership. But when we came back up last time and we had we kept the majority of that side that walked the championship and then we added players like Juanma and stuff like that it was when I felt like oh we've actually got a squad that can do something and we haven't really had that since then and it is incredibly refreshing to actually just be like oh okay we've got good players kind of everywhere so thank god for that I I think one of the main ones for me is the wide areas like even when we look at the game on Saturday he he opts for Woodburn and Barry Mackay to start and we've still got players of Josh Janelli's um, ability and Gary Mackay-Stevens' capability to bring on as well. So, and Armand Nandouille off the bench to give us something extra in the final third. So, yeah, very pleased with the way that the squad's looking. And hopefully there aren't too many injuries or suspensions down the line. That's that's the big thing for me. Let's We're just taking it a game at a time. It's, it's early days still. Definitely. Well, going to this game... We're being really positive. However, it was probably, especially that first half, probably the toughest opposition we've faced and just our luck, Rangers' best 45 minutes in the league this season immediately just came out the traps, fit and firing. Within four minutes, uh, Craig Gordon had to make a save from Scott Wright. About eight minutes later, Craig Halkett played quite a slack back pass across to John Souter, which Wright ran in and Morelos somehow put past the post, you were there, as I said, how did you find that half generally, but particularly that opening 15, where it looked like, oh, okay, this is this type of game? It was uh, it was a brutal watch, I've, <laughs> I've got to be honest, we uh, certainly rode the storm, didn't we? Um, I was actually intrigued by what Steven Gerrard had to say pre-match, he obviously placed a massive importance on the Rangers' hibs prior to the international break. And it seemed like we were of that exact same ilk with these top-of-the-table clashes. So um, it was obviously very complimentary of Hearts, which was which was nice to hear. Um, 
given that he's pleased to you know see us back in the top tier and whatnot. Um, and he'd obviously touched on the fact that we'd started so well. So I wasn't all that surprised to see Rangers come flying out the blocks, like you said. Um, and I think it was just a case... You know what it's like when whenever we go to Ibrox Parkhead? We want to try and stay in the game for as long as we can. Um, so when I see these early chances, there's a part of me that thinks, OK, we're safe. But simultaneously, I'm going, it's only a matter of time, really, isn't it? Um, and look, there's a, there's a lot of luck involved within the 90 minutes on the whole. But what I would say is that we were pretty willing to chuck our bodies at virtually everything um, and just try and make it as tricky for Rangers as much as we could, albeit maybe didn't do the best of jobs at that uh, in that first 45. Then immediately following, they had a corner which somehow didn't go in after Balogun met it. Craig Gordon made a reaction save, Balogun met it again, Craig Gordon made another reaction save and then eventually Michael Smith, with the help of John Suter as well, gets rid of it. However, as you're saying, we had to do a lot of bodies on the line and really focused. I think it was Hearts though who put on Twitter going, oh my god, we've travelled along the M8 and we're actually pressing. Like, this is a thing that's happening because there was numerous times in that first half we never got a shot off, it never ended in a shot. However, when we got the ball, we were happy to relax a bit and play nice passes. Benny and Devlin were at the heart of a lot of what we were doing, playing it out to Barry Mackay, who was driving. There was a chance where Cochrane got the ball on the far-hand side, drove really well into the Rangers half, played it across, and Barry Mackay just puts too much power on it. That's the one the where he tries to centre for Boyce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really amazed you didn't touch more on the, the kind of double-slash-triple save from Craig it's Gordon. Me. I just expect it now. Yeah. That's the thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's what Craig Gordon does. <laughs> we were talking about kind of pushing for places and whatnot. Again, like a competent goalkeeper. Wow. What what a novelty. Um, he is the best in the country. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. Um, and... That that was, I don't want to say it was a turning point as such, but when it's double triple saves of that ilk, I mm-hmm. think that's a massive morale boost for the defensive unit to take. That even when it's looked at its most promising from a Rangers perspective, we've somehow scraped it by like the skin of our teeth and managed to cling on for dear life. Um, and then it later proves that it was going to take something special in order to beat Craig Gordon. Definitely, but before we get that, I've got to get your opinion on some issues with referees, because there's two moments in this first half, I know, I know, what a shock, there's two moments in this first half, one is a lot less cut and dry as the other one, which is the first one I'll come to, the Liam Boyce penalty shout, the ball gets played up from Cammy Devlin, and Boyce goes down from a shoulder barge, however he is adamant that it is a penalty, before I give my opinion, what did you think, both at the time, especially because you're at the other end of the ground, but oh, then since miles away, yeah, <laughs> but then since you've seen it in highlights since then, um, I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't screaming for it in hope <laughs> rather than anticipation, um, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's it's soft, and I think you see these types of coming togethers most weeks at virtually any level. Um, I'd be intrigued to know how many of these 
you know, collisions, I guess you could say, are actually given as spot kicks, but I'd, I'd think it would have been very harsh. Uh, that being said, you know, I'd, I'd have obviously loved it if the ref had pointed to the spot, but it, it wasn't to be, and I think rightly so, to be honest. I I generally agree. The one thing I'd add is that Balogun is not looking at the ball at all. He just looks at Boyce. He turns around, looks at Boyce, and then goes into him. So I think that's where a lot of the claims have come from, because if it was just a traditional shoulder barge, I think there would not be a conversation. But I understand why the conversation's happening, because Balogun doesn't go to play the ball at all. But I agree, I think it would have been very, very soft. What wasn't soft, and what was absolutely clear-cut, was, I can't actually remember if this happened before or after it, but it was very soon around it. It happened within the same five-minute period. Cammy Devlin has the ball on the, not quite the far left-hand side, but he's on the left of midfield. He's driving forward. He goes to pass it, it gets cut out a wee bit and it ends up with Joe Aribo who takes a really bad touch forward and Devlin's like well, by the way because I really yes, Aribo's a footballer exactly it, it was quite uncharacteristic and I think as a result Cammy Devlin went I've got to capitalise on this completely like I have to press this fully entitled to go for it 50-50 Devlin goes and wins the ball and plays it forward and Joe Aribo just full on studs up at a vertical angle drives his boots into Cammy Devlin's shin and unbelievably there's not a red card to follow Adam no no there isn't um, and this is one that kind of I, I was listening to Scars Around the Funnel and it escaped Laurie's attention I think commentating on the game yeah it did again because of where the away section is it looked like just a, a normal challenge. I've got to be honest. From where I was, anyway, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that there was such, you know, malice and the fact that it's it's a general fifty-fifty. I don't think there's any real intent for Joe Rebo to no do no. Cami Devlin as such. But like you say, the first touch costs him. The second touch then becomes a tackle, which he's got to get right and doesn't. Um, so that's a frustration. Um, that it's that it's not picked up, but it's not as though I would have been screaming for it because it was the other end from me. So unbelievably here, and I can't believe I'm about about to usher these words. I actually feel some sort of sympathy for the officials in that respect. However, no, that's mental. That's mental. They've, they've you, got, they've got a better view than I have. So yeah, you're at the so, other end of the stadium. But, Don Robertson is looking this is, at it. But this yards is my point. Away. Like, how can the linesman not? Is, is the linesman look? Where's the linesman? How can he not see it and give the ref a hand? Exactly, like, that's mental. Like, but how? Like, I don't understand why this. Or, the referees have a tricky job. Like, how can they not have? Yeah, but more yeah, they have a tricky other job. Officials. But they shouldn't. I, and I think I think the crowd also play a big part in it as well. Which is definitely. But Don Robertson shouldn't need any assistance no, there. No, he's three yards away no, looking at not. it. Of course not. But. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I can't say I'm surprised. No, of course not. It's but it's because I've I've got two Rangers mates, and as it happened, they were watching at home as well. They messaged me in the group chat, going, "How have we got away with that? That's insane!" Like, and every Rangers fan I've spoke to have been like, "Yeah, that's a red card." And um, on Talk Scottish Football, they rang me before I started work on Monday, 
and mm-hmm. I saw my pal Dev, who's the one of the Rangers fans on there. Um, I actually saw him at the game because he was sat right next to the away fans, um, and he'd sent into the group chat a wee photo of me. So I'd like worked it out like where the little barrier was, saw mm-hmm. him and whatnot. Obviously, gave a couple gestures either way. Um, but when he was talking about it um, on the show, he was saying that that Rangers have got away with one there for sure. Um, but I'm I'm not surprised. Um, and it's one of the clearer decisions for the referee to make but still doesn't make it so nothing changes it's mental however when it looked like we were going to get to half time at 0-0 and I think it would have been fair to be honest I think we were definitely under the cost but we were defending well as you just mentioned it was going to be something special to beat Craig Gordon and it definitely definitely was Hadji Picks up the ball on the edge of the box, plays it out. Benny, eh, Halkett, sorry, actually manages to get a block in and it ends up with number four, John Lundstrom's boot at the edge of the box who hits it. Craig Gordon sees it very late. When you see the angle from behind Lundstrom, you see Gordon's actually on his tiptoes trying to see over everybody. He gets a hand to it, but it can't push it past the post and Rangers go into the half 1-0 up. Yeah, I think it's easy now to say this in hindsight, but there's just a lot more that we can do, I think. Um, Hadji probably just inside a wee bit too easy. The clearance from Halkett isn't great, but my primary frustration is how much space and time Lundstrom seems to have on the edge of the box. Um, and considering he's meant to be the deepest of that trio in the Rangers midfield, for him to then advance into such a position, pick up the ball with such a lack of pressure he's then got time to pick his spot and it's a great strike I see complaints or some putting forth the idea that Craig Gordon gets a hand to it and maybe could do better not for me I just think it's a great strike um, yeah. and like I say my primary frustration is the lack of closing down and spatial awareness to an extent just because of how much space he's able to roam into it and pick his spot like I say I, I don't want to put too much blame on him because I thought, as usually, he had a good game, especially because the midfield was kind of overran. But I actually feel it's Devlin, it's uh, Benny's fault in terms of the lack of closing down because Halkett makes the clearance, pauses for half a second and realises Benny isn't going out to Lundstrom. So Halkett feels he has to run forward and obviously he can't get there in time. And when you watch the highlights, Benny actually moves to the right I don't know if he is assuming that Lundstrom's actually going to play it off, so he tries to kind of man mark. I think it's Morelos actually is making a run, that kind of pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what it actually does is open up a space for Lundstrom to have time to hit it. But I'm not, as I say, I'm not going to put too much personal blame on Benny. But I just felt it was exactly same as you. It was just. There's so much space at the edge of the box. I felt that was kind of the same throughout the whole of the first half. There was a numerous amount of times where I was like, close that down. We seem to be doing this a lot. It's, it's bizarre to say, but I I feel as though had we conceded any of, kind of Morelos' earlier chances, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd have really had any complaints. It's the fact yeah. that it it appears so easy. You know, once you've... Once you've conceded and you see the goal back, it looks so easy from a Rangers perspective, and it's not in, it's not down to any kind of 
individual brilliance or nothing like that. I mean, the strike is a superb strike, don't get me wrong. But just by how easy it transpires, you're left thinking, if we'd have conceded any of those other chances, sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say, we did everything that we could, it's just, you know, we're up against better players or whatnot. But when it's some or a strike like that, I don't know. And the fact that it had been coming anyway, it would have been easy for heads to drop, which is the most pleasing mm-hmm. thing, I think, for me, um, given that that was all that she really wrote in the first half. And the second half, we eventually started to see things kind of take, take shape, I guess you could say, from a heart's perspective. Well, I would argue those things started to take shape with the introduction of Josh Janelli on the 60th minute. 100%. I I felt it was probably Ben Woodburn's weakest game for us so far. He just wasn't really involved in anything. I think he was quite well hassled and shielded by Tavenier out on that left-hand side. And as soon as Janelli came on, who I personally would have brought him on at half-time, but clearly it worked to bring him on for the last half an hour, we just suddenly started... To have more of an impetus, we actually started to create a bit more chances. But and I think that was this is proper like tactical analysis. I feel because because of the three four three and Rangers play the back four, it meant that the wing backs, eh, sorry, the full backs of Rangers dealt with our wingers. Tavernier dealt with um, Woodburn. Woodburn, and then. Barisic had, had, yeah, had a bit more luck down the right-hand side on in the first half, but Barisic still managed to hold him pretty well. But when you introduced Ginelli, you saw that Balogun started to go, ah, Gino's just come on, we have now left, he's really fast. So he kind of doubled up with Tavenier. What that allowed to happen was His now Boyce, instead of being looked after by two centre-halves like he was the entire first half. It was now him up against Goldson. Then, ten minutes later, Nandwili comes on and suddenly both the centre-halves go, right, I have to... Like, for example, Balogun goes, right, forget Gino. Tavenier, you're just going to have to deal with him. I have to help Goldson with Nandwili. And then that, again, creates more space for Boyce because now they're both having to double up on Nandwili. I felt, again, it's another case... I, I feel like we're saying this every week now... Well, the subs were fantastic by Robbie and really changed us in that second half. GMS as well. I'm not um, not including him. I just felt that Nandwili and uh, Gino were the two subs that really changed it for us. I was going to say, Gary McKay-Steven delivered the ball for the equaliser. Like Aye, some, I know, but we'll some, get you that. <laughs> some GMS vendetta going on here. Um, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think my primary frustration in the first half we talked about pressing, which was decent to an extent, but Ben Woodburn can do a lot more for me in that first half. Yeah. I just felt as though it was that laid back, he was horizontal. Like, there was that many times where, albeit rarely, that Hearts would get into the final third and you'd want us to seize possession and try and, you know, offer options. I, I didn't ever feel as though he looked for the ball or nothing like that. Um and yeah, he, he had to be the first to come off, I think. Um, and again, I, I like for like Josh Janelli's pace off the bench, we've said countless times that the main example that I can think of it was against United, obviously, at Tannadice. So I'd be inclined to 
put Gino back in the fold for, for Dundee. I, I'm not going to lie. I think just Ben Woodburn, I, I like. I do like Ben Woodburn. I know that we've talked about the fact he hasn't contributed a goal or an assist yet. Um, and I just feel as though Ginelli's earned that with these impact sub-appearances off the bench. But that's for, that's for Robbie to decide again. I'd have no complaints given that we're on a bit of a run. So it's just nice to actually have positive selection headaches rather than negative ones that we've talked about previously. Um, but yeah, he, he had to come off and Gino was one of the best players on the park, I actually thought, when he came on. Definitely, I would very much agree. It coincided with, as I said, us starting to get chances. A ball was played through for Boyce, who was offside, but Alan McGregor didn't know that, of course, and pulled off a fantastic save. You're shaking your head. You don't think he was offside? No, not not for me. I, I don't think he is either. I know that he was given it, but even then, yeah. I, I mentioned Div earlier. He said that he didn't think he was offside either. So, yeah. again, officials, like, <laughs> this is where they just annoy you. And frustrate you like these linesmen, man. What are they? What are they doing? I don't know. How how can you not? Like you, you literally have one job to look along the line, and I know that it can be in quick time and whatnot. But come on, like he's not off. It's as simple as I, th- I think it's Goldson at left centre half. It's Goldson playing them on. That's playing them on. So yeah. how how can he not see that? Especially because it's the centre half closer to him. Exactly, it's over on his side. Goldson <laughs> is essentially obstructing Boyce or the, his view of Liam Boyce. How can you not spot that? It's insane. Uh, Barry Mackay goes on the best run I think I've ever seen him go on. He has Boyce and Benny waiting for a boy to come across. However, after that run, I understand why, especially against his former club, he's oh, just beat about five doubt. guys. Without he's, of course, going to shoot. I actually have, though, more issue with the shot than the lack of pass. Because you're I'm like, if you're going to. You dink him. No, go across him. Because McGregor's, so, McGregor's legs are really, really long. Like, he's a very tall goalkeeper. And what he tries to do is go near post and McGregor just puts out his leg. Whereas if you go across him, I don't think McGregor's expecting that. I think McGregor... It, I know it's like a double bluff situation where you have to try and work out what the goalie thinks you're going to do in half a second. Are you, saying that you reckon, are you saying that you reckon McGregor anticipates that Barry McKay's a wee wido and will try and beat him at the near yeah. post so that he gets yes, it right? Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'd, but he should pass it. He should pass it, shouldn't he? And and in the stands, this was it. I was just like, that's our chance. Like, we've done yeah. so well up to this point to only keep it at one. And then I thought, that's it. We're, we're getting nothing. We're going to lose in the most incredibly annoying, frustrating, infuriating way imaginable by that sole goal that I believe we could do better at. And I honestly thought that that was it, that the chance had gone. Because... He does all the hard part right, and then he's cleaning through, and then I, I just thought, like, you're a professional footballer, you have to, you you have to score or set up a teammate, and he did neither, and I was just raging. I was oh, I just could not believe my eyes. I thought that's it, we've actually blown it. Do you know and at this moment what bites. I thought this. At that moment, I thought this game reminded me of... Do you remember Scott Sinclair's debut for Celtic, that game? 
the, the first Celtic game of the 2016 yeah where we were so good on the day like it was Connor Salmon's only good game ever like he was fantastic they actually put, we played really well but Sinclair came off the bench and in the 90th minute won it I was thinking in my head this is going to be like that where it's like we could have taken something for this game we've actually played well and we're not going to get anything that at that moment, no, that's all that was that, going through my head. That 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 wasn't a late sickener like uh, the Edward last minute against Levine, where we were True, rubbish that was, and that we equalised with a Bazanich penalty that was dubious, if I remember correctly. But that's what and I mean. Then, on that day, we were shit. Whereas on the Scott Sinclair day, we were good, like we were and got at robbed. the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, do you even think we were that good at the weekend? I think we were. I think we were solid in the first half, but offered nothing going forward. But I think reasonably we were solid because the amount of chances... And it was, of course, as you said, we rode our luck. Morelos, if he sinks any of the chances I'm about to speak about and that have already spoken about, it's a totally different ball game. But also, we'll get to it now, Stephen Kingsley, who I thought was absolutely fantastic, makes an incredible, incredible challenge just as the Rangers players are about to shoot then Kimar Roof runs through and it looks a certain goal before Gordon big, gets that the was s- a big save as well huge to tip it onto the post Halkett gets rid of it Halkett who I thought was well we'll get to it but before what happened in the 90th minute I thought Halkett was my man of the match barring Gordon because I thought he kept Morelos very very quiet and the only times Morelos got through Morales fucked it the first chance in the first half but he'd been frustrated with the goal as well what with the clearance and whatnot yes exactly so Um, I I, I don't know I I was was discussing this I don't actually feel like we've played well for an entire 90 minutes bar the last two Tynecastle performances yet we've had brilliant like I feel we did against United or halves Uh, United away actually we've forgotten about but I agree generally. That point generally is, but, is right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it. I think the most pleasing aspect for me about the weekend is we were largely second best, nowhere near the best that we can play. Played for half an hour, and still drew with the reigning champions away from home. Like, had we? I don't even. I don't even want to fault the game plan because it. It actually is a positive result. I know we didn't win the game, but yeah, of course we, it is. We, we'd have taken a point before it, but it makes you wonder what would happen if we were able to perform how we did in the last half hour for the entire duration of that ninety. But mm-hmm. Rangers were excellent in that first half, so I don't think it's anything that we can actually do. It's yeah, I think that's half, the biggest thing. And we've taken advantage of them being so poor in the second half. Managed to carve out a couple chances of our own, albeit we haven't taken them until the very last, which is my, fantastic. My dad actually made the point that he didn't even think it was an element of Rangers getting worse in the second half. He thought that their fitness looked atrocious and that we actually just looked like we were getting fitter as the game went on. Interesting. I don't know. There's something. There's something funny going on at Rangers. Like even it's weird. It, were they that dependent on like Morelos bagging however many goals he used to bag? Because yeah. like, do you know? It, like <laughs> one of the boys that I was stood with actually said he looks more like El Scuffalo rather than El Buffalo. 
which made me laugh. And I thought, that's awful. That's, like, that's, that's actually, rubbish. That's actually a great point. Because he's nowhere near, like, he's not even the most clinical striker anyway. He just grabs goals. Yeah. And one or, one or two of these chances on another day, like, he's got a decent goal scoring record against us. Which is why I'm amazed that he didn't take any of these chances. The one that you were going to touch on in 83 minutes. Oh my goodness gracious me. Well, How on earth? Like, even up the other end of the ground, I just my eyes just popped out my head. Like, how on earth have they not buried that there? Yeah, the ball was kind of passed about in the middle of the pitch. It moves forward and it's played through to Kimar Roof, who just puts it on a plate from Morelos. All he has to do. Ball from Kimar Roof. It's great. It's perfectly weighted. He doesn't have to do anything, he just has to touch it and it's going in. And it ends up past the post and he's flat on his back and I don't understand how he's missed it. That makes two of us. D- delighted to see that be the case, obviously. Um, but didn't actually think that we'd go up and take advantage of it, so that was, that was nice. Um, no, it's an absolute an absolute sitter. Um, yeah. And, again, hindsight's wonderful. I see lots of Rangers fans saying, why was Morello still in the park at that stage, given the countless sitters that he'd already missed. True. It's inter- I mean, I guess, though, if he scores that, it's like, it's tactical genius that he was kept no, of on course. And then, his confidence. And then he's, he's persisted with, you know, he's misfiring forward, now he's got that goal that his performance deserved, yeah. rare, 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 and on his day, he's their biggest goal threat, so why would you want to take your goal threat off? Isn't yeah, it amazing, exactly. the, the scrutiny that managers come under? Now I'm starting to realise, do you know what? Maybe I have been a bit harsh. Oh but, my god, that is groundbreaking! But by the same score, uh-huh. do I, do I want to give? Uh, yes. No, no. I'll 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 just I'll just I'll keep it quiet. We're going to have to win the I'm, league for no, you to I'm, give Robbie credit. No, 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 no. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised because listen, like I say, it's early. Relax. We've we've seen this one too many times, but let's just enjoy it while it lasts. Well, the, before we can enjoy the biggest aspect of this game, the final referee official moment happens oh. where the ball gets played out, kind of, into the manager's dugouts. And Kingsley and Bakuna are both there. And Kingsley, because Bakuna's keeping the ball, Kingsley just does a wee shove on his back, to which Bakuna turns round and throttles him, full on grabs him by the throat. Kingsley swings out as he's fully justified to do. And Nielsen is terrifyingly calm. Nielsen is so calm. He's just going, right, he has to go. He has to go. Like, that's a red. That's a red. He's got his arm around his throat. And then there was a red card. But it wasn't for Bakuna or Stephen Kingsley, who both received yellow cards. Robbie Nielsen then gets sent off in the most... Well, I was going to say Robbie received the exact same amount of yellows as the two players were issued. Combined, aye, exactly. Like, I don't like Don Robertson because he's one of those refs that tries to make it about them. They're always like, I'm the referee, you have to assent. There was eight yellow cards in that game. There should have been less yellow cards, in my opinion, and more red cards. But he is one of those refs that is like, I'm the ref you'll have to do what I say whereas other refs allow the game to flow and are actually good officials Don Robertson is a nightmare and 
he's just being pedantic with Robbie Nielsen. Nielsen gets booked for saying it's a red card, and uh, he must say something sarcastic. I think Robertson he sarcastically claps, doesn't he? I think, I think so, yeah. And the, then he gets a second yellow. The, there's something wrong with me on this podcast, I've realised. I've, I've been feeling sorry for officials. Now I'm starting to feel sorry for managers. Like, what's what's going on? Am I still what's drunk? Happening? I think I'm still what's drunk. What's happening? Um, with regards to Robbie, I, I can appreciate my manager venting his frustration um, because, let's be frank, it should be a yellow, red card all, all day for, for Bakuna. Um, the, the thing for me is I noticed that he had the option to kind of appeal this red or whatever or, you know, accept the ban. We've seen this morning that he's accepted a three-match ban. I I would have assumed that it was just for the Dundee match. The Obviously, the two matches afterwards is an annoyance. But had it been for solely the Dundee game at Tiny, I wouldn't have minded him accepting the ban, to be, to be honest. And just get on with it because like, if we're being serious we shouldn't really need Nielsen in the dugout for Dundee at home and I would have just yeah. taken that and then moved on to the other fixtures but what's happened's happened I can appreciate him sticking up for Stephen Kingsley he is right in that further punishment should be awarded it hasn't happened that way it didn't throughout the 90 minutes but we still come away with a positive result so I can, I can see why he's frustrated, why he's angry, but the bigger picture, we take it, we move on. Simple as. I want to get your opinion on a, a quick thing that seems to have been dividing Scottish football fans, particularly Hearts fans in this, and other podcasts I was listening to. Nielsen, I think the implication is that he gets the first yellow for waving imaginary cards, for being like, he's off, get him off, and, and he's telling the ref. That? But that's the thing. I have absolutely no problem with that. I no, don't care. Like, who gives a shit if Magic... Or players. Like, see when players are on a park and, like, a captain goes up to the ref and is like, off, he has to go... Like, that's part of the game. Like, you go to try and influence a ref. If anything, my frustration would arise from players just accepting a decision. Yeah. You want to be moaning for absolutely everything. You need, Like, these are the tiny little aspects of the game that ultimately can define a result. So, we want everything to go in our favour. So, why would you not be protesting like mad in order to make that the case? If you're a yeah. real winner, you want everything to work out for you. So influence the referee as much as you can. I'm all for it. 100%. Yeah, like for example, there was also last night, um, Atletico Madrid played Liverpool in a very entertaining game and Simeone didn't shake Klopp's hand and the English media were like, look how disgusting this is, it's classless. They don't do that in Spain. Like, that's not a thing. Managers don't shake hands often. Like, it, it's very much just a personal preference. And Simeone doesn't shake any manager's hand. I think people always, like... I, I'm always one for, like, the... I wouldn't even call it the dark arts of football. It's just, like, just get on with it. Like, who cares if managers don't shake hands? Or if managers are waving imaginary cards? Like, who cares? There's there's bigger fish to fry, isn't there, really? Yeah. Within, within the grand scheme of things. Diego Simeone's a slick bastard, by the way. I love what, him. I oh, love him. What a man. The shithousery king. That's exactly what we want. We want some shithousery. And hopefully we'll in abundance. A man I love so much more than Diego Simeone was influential to the result of the weekend. As, as the Rangers Tannoy guy, the Scott Wilson reject equivalent, is announcing that the man of the match 
is John Lundstrom. We get a corner, and as you said, Gary Mackay Stephen puts in a cross. And Alan McGregor, who up until this point had been very good for Rangers, made a lot of very big saves, notably the Barry Mackay one. There was also another one from Devlin. And was doing very well, and it's Alan McGregor. You just expect, as soon as you see a high ball in the box, you think, okay, that's it. He's just going to come claim this, do that thing where goalkeepers go onto their stomachs and clutch the ball, and it's going to fizzle out. It slips through his hand. I don't know if it's because it had started to rain and the ball's wet, and at the back post is the man that, listen, I'm not patting ourselves on the back here. But we, since the start of the season, have defended Craig Halkett. We have been team Craig Halkett for the entirety of this season. He gets the equaliser and sends you and 900 other Hearts fans in Ibrox. But listen, if you're watching the YouTube version, look what's just appeared on the screen. That face is a man who is absolutely buzzing with his life. How was that moment for you in the stadium? Oh, it was absolute bedlam. I didn't even know it was Craig Halkett that had scored. I just saw the <laughs> ball in the net and just lost my shit. Um, again, we were talking about kind of little aspects within the game. Set pieces is a big one as well, and I thought our delivery up to that was rank. And it's not even the you best never ball. Never beat the first man. No. Never beat the first man at all. And it's not even a decent ball from Gary McKay, Stephen, which no. makes it all the more sweeter that it's somehow nestled into the net. Um, carnage. Absolute carnage. Loved every single second of it. It was genuinely in such disbelief. Um, flew down the rows, got countless bruises. Fantastic. Absolutely crazy. And just delighted that's only my third trip to Ibrox and I've seen us be demolished both times um, but just left so happy and my dad was very concerned about me heading to Ibrox on my own I obviously met my pals at the yeah. game and at the boozer and whatnot. Um, and it's fair to say that I had my, my face mask on outside when getting the subway back to the train station in order to hide what was a grin that went from ear to ear because I was just ecstatic um, given how many times have we seen the old firm nick a late goal against us and it's been like a winner or a late equaliser where we've ended up losing and dropping points to actually do it to them for once felt so so good and I really hope that that's not a rare occurrence it would be nice if that's a more frequent thing. We've obviously had the late John Suter winner against Celtic. Now we've had last gasp equaliser at Ibrox. Four points from six against Celtic and Rangers. The only unbeaten team in mid-October. Second in the league. A point behind the league leaders and reigning champions. I'm starting to think I'm on crack. Like, is, ever, is everybody else living in this reality? Or is it just me? Or what's going on here? This is I, this is beyond my wildest dreams. I honestly thought this was going to be a season of hell, but so far I'm enjoying every single second and long may it continue. I thought I broke my hand celebrating because <laughs> I was so because I was just I was in my flat and I was just punching the floor with like excitement. I was just running about hitting the floor. And are you on the ground floor? Like, or have you, no, got you got neighbours below you? Never watch what the hell's going on? I know. Um, oh, I just went insane. And I said it on Twitter and it got picked up. Craig Halkett deserves that. 
the redemption tour has been this season for Craig Halkett. He's been one of our best players this season. He always has a very shaky opening 12 minutes and then the remaining 78. It's a very specific time period. It is, because every single time he's had a mistake has been on the 12th minute in recent games. And then he's just fixed it for the remaining 72. And I don't understand why. I'll need to keep my eyes peeled to come 12 minutes past three on Saturday afternoon. Exactly. Um, But he's been fantastic for us this season. He was fantastic for us at the weekend. And he said himself in his post-match interviews that it's been a while since he scored. Because, of course, he was our top goal scorer in the 1920 season. And... (laughs) He then just didn't score, for, I think, since. I think he got a goal in the Betfred Cup game against like East Fife or something at the start of last season. It was Cowdenbeath, I think. Oh, it was Cowdenbeath, but we were playing at East Fife. We were in Methyl playing, Jesus. and it was a it was an awful game. But I think that was his last goal for us. I can't, I can't quite remember, but what a time God knows. To, to get your first of this season, regardless. And, yeah, unbeaten... Second, I loved Robbie's comments where he was like, he liked it because he couldn't see, obviously, he was down the tunnel, he just heard sudden silence <laughs> and he was buzzing with that. Again, um, I'm praising the gaffer's post match words. Like, seriously, there is something going on, something is wrong. Give credit to him, give credit to him now. No, say I, it. I, I'm gonna give credit to the team and his Adam, <laughs> what and, and his game plan, to okay. An what do you mean no because because it's easy for a manager to set out with a game plan the players have got to execute it and Robbie has got it spot on there you go good there right I'm giving the players some credit as well here you have no idea how well I did to resist drunk texting Craig Halkett some crazy messages (laughs) I didn't do it on Saturday I thought you know what I'm just going to play it cool because he might come on Perth Paisley eventually we don't know yeah we'll see down the line it'd be um, very awkward if you yeah. <laughs> so I thought do you know what I'm just going to rein it in let him have his night because it, like you say he deserves it I think I was thinking about this today like even the squad that Robbie's inherited first and foremost it speaks volumes that Craig Halkett wasn't a player that he'd just discarded because he was mm-hmm. part of a defence that had been relegated the previous season albeit was top scorer in said season. Um, And, you know, we got rid of a lot of dross, but Halkett still stuck around, so there must be a reason for that. This three at the back suits him down to a tee, albeit he's not a a ball-playing centre-half. You've mentioned that highlight in the first half. That's John Souter and Stephen Mm -hmm. Kingsley's job, but he's in there to do his job. He does his job well. And I'll be delighted if we offer an, an extension because he does deserve it. And hopefully it's he and a couple of the other defensive-minded players that get offered new deals. Because as January approaches, it's it's worrying, particularly when you see paper talk. Um, Alex McLeish, absolutely bang on. John Suter loves it at Ibrox, um, as does the majority of the Hearts squad. So, yeah, it was good. It's nice, mate. Great, great weekend and, and buzzing for Halks. Well, with that... The final whistle did go. We managed to stay unbeaten somehow. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone in the country actually expected us to be unbeaten by the end of this weekend. By the time that we are currently sitting down to record this, I think we were all expecting to speak about a loss. It was just whether or not that loss would be a respectful loss or an absolute battering. But no, this Hearts team 
this Hearts team's different. It, Stephen Kingsley said it was like we just now have this mentality of we're never out of a game. We're always never going say to be. die. Love it. And obviously, a lot of Rangers fans are like, "Well, the only reason that you got that result is because our keeper made a mistake." It's like, yeah, but our keeper kept us in it. We, it wouldn't have mattered about that mistake if Gordon hadn't made the saves he'd made and their defence hadn't been as solid as it had been. And McGregor made a couple of decent saves prior to the mistake as well. Yeah. So exactly. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, then we'd all have a great Christmas, wouldn't we? Exactly. And I th- hopefully we are going to have a great Christmas because it's soon. Christmas is soon. And by then, we're going to be top of the week 10 points clear. It's going to be fantastic. Right, it's good to see that the crack's now out of my flat and it's now arrived at yours, so that's fantastic. Um, before we finish on the Rangers game, we wanted to touch on Steven Gerrard because as we record this, yes. we're recording this at Wednesday lunchtime as it goes up later today, I have made it very clear that Newcastle are my English team. It's been a roller coaster couple of weeks for me, but one of those roller coasters has thankfully come to an end. I felt sick during it. I thought I was going to die at several times. But Steve Bruce has finally left Newcastle United and one of the front runners for the job, if you're to believe the papers, and to be honest, the the fact that the man himself has never once said no and has consistently kind of just kept talking about it, Stephen Gerrard. It D-match press conference. Yes, for, exactly. For so we're obviously Stephen... massive now we're, you know being talked about alongside one of the richest clubs in the world. Exactly, exactly. What do you make of Steven Gerrard potentially going to St James's Park? I'm very conflicted on this because I think... When I look at how Manchester City started out with their multi-millions, it's tricky to attract elite players given that there's not immediate Champions League or European football so I think you're always going to have that fall guy and at City it was probably Mark Hughes now Newcastle have decided that Steve Bruce isn't going to be their man I think for Steven Gerrard I actually think it makes a lot of sense for Newcastle and I say that because when you're trying to attract a player to the club they could say we can give you as much money as you want that's abundantly clear and we'll give you the chance to play under a global icon. You know, even now, when Steven... What's this? Steven Gerrard's third season, I think, in charge of Rangers? Yeah. Even when he mentions Hearts, as daft as this might sound, I'm like, that's Steven Gerrard talking about my football club. Do you know what I mean? Like, somebody with such an incredible career, global presence, like, everybody knows who Steven Gerrard is. I actually think it makes a lot of sense for Newcastle to hire him as the fall guy, I think if he were offered the job, he'd take it. But does he realise how good he has it at Rangers to an extent? I don't. I don't think it's a decent career move for him. I think the other names that I see, like your Eddie Howes and whatever, make a lot more sense than Steven Gerrard. Despite the fact that Steven Gerrard's won a league title as a manager and Eddie Howe hasn't, so it's going to be a fall guy appointment till they get European football on a consistent basis. Steve I think Eddie Howe has won a league title. Well, sorry, the not, like, not like a top tier title. Yeah, yeah, that's title, true. Yeah, he's, he's obviously, or he's obviously built Bournemouth up through the leagues and whatever. Yeah. but I, I don't know. I think I think Gerard would be a wee bit nuts to take it. As as daft as that sounds, I just feel as though 
is going to be somebody else. I think Eddie Howe makes a lot of sense. Obviously, I have a vested interest in it, and I am very biased towards this. You don't want to see Gerard, do you? I don't mind. I, I, I honestly would be behind Gerard if he came. I just don't want to be Frank Lampard. So as long as it isn't him, I kind of don't care. Like, Frank, so if it's Frank Gerard, Lampard does better go for with it. little money or no money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> had all that money. Chelsea were shocking, and then Tuchel exactly. came in and hijacked his work. But. It will be interesting to see what happens in the next coming weeks with Gerard. But there is more manager news as this coming weekend will be the first time this season where neither manager will be in the dugout as both Robbie Nielsen and James McPaig have been handed bans for this weekend's game. James McPaig got it for chucking the ball away, I think, because he's a goalkeeping coach kicked somebody and then he got sent off. And it was really weird. And then Nielsen obviously got his ban. I, I said on Twitter, hot take, I don't think either of the, the managers should have been sent off. James McPake did nothing wrong, in my opinion. He definitely didn't do anything to merit a red card. And I, don't, I think Nielsen was the same. No, a couple tellings off would have sufficed, no? Yeah, exactly. I think it's a bit mental. Yeah, yeah I tough. They're both know. not there. Either way, I hope James McPake is crying his eyes out come Saturday night because I hope that we absolutely batter Dundee. There is no excuse for us to not lay down a real marker here, give them a real doing. I know they've just had their first win, but ugh, come on. Like Dundee Football Club, seriously. Let's get well, stuck in. This is the thing. James McPake's Dundee arrives at Tynecastle on our second last game week of the initial run attempting to kind of upset the party they have said that they want to come and put on a show at Tynecastle despite I can't think of the last time they've done that in my life like I can I just can't I can. they definitely didn't do that in the championship I can under Levine I I had the, the talk of the no what was it called it might have been the talk of the two in peace but then no HMFC the team for me I had the piece in the mm-hmm. program and they beat us two one. Never been. Did they put on a show though? Oh yeah, they've they've beaten us, but I've never right, put sorry, on a show at Tynecastle. Oh no, they've never no. A Dundee no. don't do free flowing attacking football. Are we still no. talking about the same team? Come on. Exactly. Um obviously we're gonna be confident, but as you said, and it happened with Livingston, they get their first confidence boosting win before they arrive to Tynecastle. However, no surprise. That was shown to not help Livingston at all as we put on our best performance of the season most likely against them. How do you think this is going to go? Do you think you're going to make any changes? You obviously said you'd rather Gino start ahead of Woodburn. Do you think that will be the case? What do you think? I don't think that will be the case despite that being the change that I would make. Um, I actually get the impression that Robbie might just go unchanged. And I don't think anybody can have Mm -hmm. any any real complaints. Um... You know, I, I referenced Aaron McInef earlier. We've shelled out money for the guy and he can't get a look in. So that proves the state that we're in. Albeit, you know, these players have got to do more in training to earn their spot now. That's That basically sums up the place that Hearts are in. So, confidence is high. I don't anticipate many, if any, changes, despite me wanting to see Gino as opposed to Ben Woodburn. Um and yeah, I'm rightly feeling confident, I think. Um, hopefully, it's a real... 
cricket score would be nice. Just give them an absolute doing. I've seen a lot of people say that that's coming at some point with the way we're playing that someday is going to get absolutely bad. I would argue we've kind of already done that against Livingston. Livingston got played off the park. I really hope we saved it for Dundee. Well, of course, it is the year anniversary this week of the opening of last season's championship season where we, of course, beat them 6-2 and just absolutely walked past them. And if anything, our team has just gotten remarkably better since then and their team's stayed pretty similar. They've added a couple of additions. Um, I think we're going to go with an unchanged side as well. I would also be happy if Gino came in for Woodburn, but I do feel this is kind of one of those games that Woodburn could get his first goal. I think I've said yeah, that every it's week. good chance. But, They're honking at the back. No, I, I, yeah. I agree with that. I think the main... Ob- it's very obvious. I think everybody who covers Dundee will be saying this. The two main areas that we need to worry about are Lee Griffiths and Charlie Adam. Charlie Adam doesn't run anymore, but it doesn't matter because when he gets the ball, he can still ping 40-yard passes. We saw that last season when he just kind of walked through our defence and scored a raker. Um, we need to worry about that. And, of course, Lee Griffiths is going to be up for this more than any game he's going to be up for all season, really. As will the fans the other way. Can I just say? Yes, that'll, exactly. That'll be tasty. That'll be interesting. But we need. To, I think, basically, if we keep them quiet, it will be a very easy day for us. But... I don't want us taking them lightly. I don't care how we win. If it's a 1-0 scrappy win, I don't care. I just want to win. For me, we've been... It's been weird. This season, I didn't expect it to happen. I was very much thinking that this season, it's all going to be about the fact that it's just results, not performance-based. But actually, most performances most week have been really good. And they've went with results. But I'm still of the opinion that this season... Results is what counts. If we have a shitty wee 1-0 win, there's almost a part of me that would prefer that. We Dundee on top all all game and then we nick it just to annoy McPeak even more. That would would be very, very funny. But also, an 8-0 or something would be lovely. Why why did I have the fact that I won 8 in my head and you've just said 8-0 now? It's happening. I tell you what, troops, lump your money on it. <laughs> never, never mind the two 0 that I'm probably going to put in the who scored preview. Eight. That's where it's at. Boosting Is that, that your prediction difference. then? Uh, yeah, I probably will just go two zip. Yeah, right. I think it'd be comfy. Probably be a game that we forget in a couple of months. But yeah. as long as it yields three points, I do not care a single jot. What about you? Who you? Um, I'm going to go with the same goal difference. But a different scoreline. I'm going to go three one. I think we'll one I was debating. Do you? I think we'll concede. Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's going to oh. score. Oh, but I'd like, God. but I'd like it to be a consolation at the end, <laughs> so that we can like sarcastically <laughs> applaud it. Yeah, so we can clap it. Yeah. <laughs> or would it be funnier that, or they go ahead, then we go and beat them three one, and oh, he no. goes mental in his celebration, and then we can laugh at him in the end. Oh no! I mean, uh, oh no! Because then <laughs> a consolation's better. Yeah, a consolation's consolation. better. I, I don't want to fall behind, and then it just yeah. you know what Tiny's like. like yeah, if, if we the, don't go one 0 up inside I, fifteen minutes, they'll be booing. Do you know what I mean? Like the past nine games will all immediately be forgotten about as soon as he yeah. puts them one 0 up. So nah, we want a. a Who are your goal scorers? Um, I might just have to say it every week till it comes true. Benny Beningame, <laughs> right? Um, 
the greatest thing. Oh, yeah, we ever. lost out on three and a half grand each. Yeah. <laughs> so that was gutting. Um, do, do you know what? I should have added that to the kind of the tally that I had right at the start. Obviously, tenor bet for three and a half grand back, but best money I've ever spent. Um, yep. Yeah, so Benny Beringa made the greatest footballer that I've ever seen. Don't want to say boys because that's boring. Um, Barry Mackay. Oh, interesting for his first goal. Yeah, fascinating. Cu- cu- couple I'm, firsts. I'm gonna go with Boyce because it's Boyce. <laughs> it'll probably, probably be a, a pen. It'll probably be a <laughs> <penalty>. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with Ben Woodburn. Because I think I've went with him every week that wasn't last week. I was tempted, but I really want Gino to start, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it would have been a conflict um, of interests. And then, I'm going to go with my favourite player right now, Cami Devlin. Get so goal. we've both gone for a midfield maestro and a winger. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Well, we will see what happens next weekend. Obviously, next week's episode... It'll be a bit different because we've got a midweek game for the first time this season where we go away to hey. St Johnston. Um, so that is the true test of this heart side. If they can go away and win in Perth, then we're going to do amazing things. Given our record is <laughs> rank. Yes, exactly. Hey, Paisley's, but, yes. Paisley's ticked off the list. And as this exactly. is the Perth to Paisley podcast, there's only half of we it need, left to we go. Need, exactly, we need Come to get boys, both. I'm telling you. God, it. yeah, that hasn't happened since we've been doing a podcast. We've never won in the same season in Perth and Paisley. Come on, finger out. It's going to happen. That's quite depressing. Now, well, I kind of hate that you've raised that. Yeah, sorry. Why, why have you done this to me? Just, but anyway. Just end the episode. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for, for everybody out there misery, if you stayed this long, well done. Well done. You're very impressive. Thank you very much for listening to episode 60. It's insane we've managed to get here when we're this type of quality. Uh, but thank you very, very much for listening. If you have enjoyed, please do share it around. If you're listening to it, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. It massively helps. If you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a like, subscribe, comment. We've been reading them all. We really, really do appreciate that. You can get us on Perth to Paisley on all the social medias. It is below us on the YouTube version, but then there it is as well. You can also get us on the email, perthtopaisley at gmail.com if you want to send us a shout over there. Adam, where can they get you on social media? They can get me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall. And what about yourself, mate? I'm at dmcivery22. We'll be back next week to discuss all the Fallout of Dundee game, preview the St. Johnston game. We don't know what we're going to do about the Aberdeen game and anything else then. So until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Come on the hearts!